Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Aaron Burke. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church. One church, seven locations that are joining us right now. And you are in part one of a brand new series we are starting called The Heart of Things. The Heart of Things. We are in our year of health. Say health. And we are talking all things health this year. We've talked about our spiritual health, our relational health, our financial health. We just ended a series on our mental health. And I heard so many amazing reports. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk all things heart and make sure we get healthy. And it's all throughout the Bible, issues of the heart. So if you have your notes, I want you to take them out today. We are a note-taking church. And so I want you to follow along with me as we discuss this issue of our heart. You see, in the Old Testament, there's 633 references just to your heart. You got to think, this is all throughout the Old Testament, references and how you handle your heart and what do you allow in your heart. The New Testament carries it on, and there's 170 references, many of them by Jesus himself when it comes to issues of, of our heart. So we want to figure out, what does the Bible say about our heart and to have heart health over this month? Here's one in Proverbs chapter 27. It says it this way, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. It reflects the heart. So if your life is a little screwed up, let me tell you, it's because probably because your heart's a little messed up. If your life is filled with drama, it's because your heart is filled with some drama. So you want to deal with the root issue of the problem, and that's the issues of our, of our heart. Proverbs 4 says it this way, above all else, say all else, above all else. Guard your what? Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So the way you parent, the way you are in your relationship, the way you run your business, everything flows from our heart. So we got to deal with some heart issues. So over the next four weeks, we're going to deal with four different issues within our heart. And we're going to hit them head on. And we're going to do a little heart surgery this month. And I believe it'll be something that'll help you. And so if you're taking notes today, which I know you are, because we're a note-taking church, I want you to write down week one's title and the idea of what we're going to hit head on today. Because I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about a bitter heart. A bitter heart. How do we deal with the issues of bitterness in our heart? I'll never forget my, one of my very first mission trips. I went to El Salvador. And I was probably 15, 14, 15 years old. And I remember going there and I did a full day of ministry. And you know, you do all these dramas and these things in these villages. And then after the full day, I mean, I'm sweaty, I'm exhausted, I'm tired. I remember going to this lady's house and she was just like some leader in the village. So she invited all of these teenagers into her house and she's like, and the way she enticed us was we got American lemonade, a lemonade, come on. And we're all like excited, come on. After a hot day, there's nothing like just ice cold lemonade. So we go to her house and she's got this little pitcher filled with something that she thinks is lemonade and so she pours it into the cup and hands it to me. And I remember feeling the cup and it was warm. Come on, that's not a good start of lemonade. And I was like, well, it's, even if it's warm, at least it's lemonade. And I go to take a sip of it. And, and no lie, no exaggeration, it's the worst tasting thing I've ever tasted in my entire life. I, my whole face just crunched up like this. And I was like, something's wrong. And I come to find out that she tried her hardest, but she didn't put sugar in there. She put salt instead. Yeah, that's what I felt like too. And, and, and my whole face just like, it sucked it all out of there. Like, it was terrible. It was bitter. Like, it, it just, just felt the bitterness of it. So I thought, you know, I got to get rid of this. I can't drink it. And so I waited for her to turn around. And I looked out the window. And I dumped it out the window. 
because her dog was out there. I was like, the dog would like it. Uh, the dog, the dog uh, licked it up off the ground and did the same thing. Like one time, just looked it, licked it to the face and then ran away again. We've all had moments. We all had moments where we experienced some kind of bitterness. But I'm not talking about bitterness in your face. I'm not talking about bitterness in our heart. What makes us bitter? Here's four things. Number one, it's that when we are overpromised. Have you ever been overpromised? Someone promised you the moon. They said they would never leave you. They did. They told you they'd pay you. They didn't pay you. They told you they'd be by your side. We're in this thing forever. They weren't there forever. We get overpromised. Here's the other one is we get overlooked. You ever felt overlooked? Nobody sees the good work you're doing. Nobody sees how, how hard you're working behind the scenes. Your, your, your spouse gets all the credit. Your coworker gets the bonus. You're overlooked. Here's another one. You're overused. And that one creates a lot of bitterness. They took advantage of me. I worked long hours. I, I, you know, I showed up early, stayed late. I was overused. I, just, I felt like they were walking all over me. Here's the last one. And I had to put this one in there because it's so real. It's you're overtaken. What does it mean? I put this in there to remind some people that, man, some of our bitterness comes from physical abuse, some mental and emotional abuse. You're overtaken in speech, overtaken in your body. There's been moments like this where someone took advantage of you. And what does it do? It creates a bitterness in our life. Whether you're overpromised, overlooked, overused, or overtaken, our world is filled with scenarios that are cultivating bitterness in us. And here's what happens. Write it down. It's bitterness is caused when we let negative things that happen to us start to live in us. And the negative things are all around us. There, there, there are so many negative situations that you've been through and I've been through. But when you let them live in your heart, it creates a bitterness inside of us. That's why Hebrews says it this way. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. What is the example he gives us? He says bitterness is like a root and it'll grow deep in your heart and here's what it'll do. It'll defile many. And I want some people's attention today because that's what's happened. Our world is divided more than ever before. Marriages are struggling. Churches are struggling. Why? Because they've let bitterness in and it's defiling all those around us. And here's what I've realized because I, I tried to, I studied this really hard to figure out why do some people get so bitter so often? And I realized, because we have a justification for it in our culture today that makes it right. And here's what it is. This is going to be a light bulb moment. Ready? Our tendency is to justify bitterness by calling it justice. I want you to hear that. So you're, you, you're going, it's okay I'm mad. I'm mad because what they're doing is so wrong. And you're right. You're right. It's wrong. It's wrong they left you. It's wrong they promised to do that business deal and they didn't do it. It's wrong that, that, that they, they cheated on you. It's wrong. So what do we do about the things that are wrong? And what we've done is we've taken on the wrongness of the world and we said, we're going to solve it. We're going to do it. And we're going to stay mad until it's right. And you're living bitter in your life. What's the problem with that? The problem with that is that's not how God told us to deal with injustice in our world. What did he say in Romans? He says, don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for what? God's wrath. Like, hey, like there's, there's God's wrath can deal with this. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, let me encourage somebody in here today. 
Because when you learn to let things go and let God deal with them, by the way, he is, he's a good father. You are his child. You are his son or you are his daughter. And just like my kids, you mess with my kids, you're going to get me. And let me say, if somebody's messing with God's kids, God will take care of you. He will avenge you. But you got to learn how to let go of the idea of taking the wrath in your own hands, of getting it right, of, of justice in this situation. How do we learn to get bitterness out of our life? I want to show you a story in the Bible. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 4. And it's a story of the two first sons that are born. I think it's so interesting that our bitterness story, a story that's rooted in bitterness, is, deals with siblings. And I don't know about y'all, but I had some crazy siblings and we had some bitterness in our life. And many times our biggest bitterness issues are within our own family. So I want you to see we have a family conflict of a brother, of two brothers, and we see how bitterness stepped in this situation. Genesis chapter 4, it's the story of Cain and Abel. It says it like this in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought some, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. All right, everybody, this is what that means. Here's what it means. So Cain comes to the Lord and brings him a fruit platter. And God says, all right. Then Abel comes to the thing and brings him a steak platter. So if you ever wonder, what does God like more? Does God like, like a fruit tray or does God like a, like a sirloin steak? I want you to know God has made it very clear from the very beginning. He is a meat eater. Can I hear an amen? I'm sorry. <laughs> That's funny right there. I'm just preaching God's word. I'm not trying to cause controversy. So he did not bring an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. Look what it says, verse 5. On Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you, will you not be accepted? Like, just change your attitude. Stop doing what's wrong. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Look at me at every location in here. If you don't deal with the bitterness in your life, if you don't dominate that bitterness, it'll eventually dominate you. If you don't rule over that anger, it'll rule over you. If you don't rule over that offense, it'll rule over you in your life. So that's what he tells him. And then what is the response? Now Cain said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go to the baseball field. That's what he says right there. Look at that. Right there in the scriptures. He goes, let's go to the field. Let's throw some balls around. Let's have a good time. And Abel's like, oh, I've always wanted to spend time with my brother. It's going to be awesome. But that's not what happened. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and he killed him. And he killed him. There's some lessons for us on how to understand and approach bitterness from the story I want you to get today. Number one, write it down in your notes this way, is that bitterness only needs time before it turns deadly. It only needs time. What did our passage say? It said, in, in the course of time, in the course of time, as it started to grow, there was a problem. It happened again, 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 and again. And here's what happens with bitterness, is that something will happen in your life, It'll get into your heart, and what you'll do is you'll kind of sweep it under the rug, and you'll go, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal I went through that divorce. It's not a big deal that that person betrayed me. It's not a big deal that that church did that. It's not a big deal. And what happens is because you have not dealt with it, it starts, as Hebrews says, doing what? It creates a root into our heart. 
And so you have to get really good at understanding that bitterness needs to be solved in the early days before it grows big in your life. So, so you have to be able to understand, is there something bitter in my heart? It's like my example here. All right, we got some trees. So, so this, is, this is where we got, little, little bush here. And what happens? Plant. I don't know what I name is. All right. It's been a long day, all right? So what happens is you look at it and you go, it's not a big deal. It's, 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 not, it's, just, it's a small issue. It's not a big problem. But the problem is, is if you don't have a moment like you have today, like in this necessary in this moment, where you sit there and go, I know they're on a fence. I've got to deal with it. And you're going to take some work, and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to really work today. And it's going to hurt a little bit. And you're going to deal with it. You're going to realize what you thought was just a little deal. There was actually a big root that was underneath it. Wow. And it got deep into your heart. But you're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do some deep work in it. And it's going to take some moments. And it's going to take some prayer time. But you're going to get rid of it because you don't want this thing to grow. Because over time, here's what happens. It goes from this to it eventually gets bigger. And eventually, some of you guys have some issues today. You've dwelt on them for year after year after year after year. And the Lord is saying, okay, now it's time to get, get rid of it. So you might need to get in a small group. And you might, it starts today, you know, with, with, with signing up for groups. But the, the prayer time at the end of the service is going to start getting loose. But eventually you're going to go to some friends and around some people and get some stuff. Because why? Because there's a deep root in your heart of some bitterness and some stuff that happened. And you got to let it go. Because eventually it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing. And eventually. And this is some of your life right now. And, and you go, you, how, here's how we know, ready? I'm like, how are you doing? Fine. Just went through a pretty brutal divorce. I'm over it. You don't seem over it. You're walking around with this just giant thing in your heart. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, I'm okay. You come into church and you're like, I'm not offended with church. I'm, I'm fine. You're sitting there with your arms crossed. You just got this giant tree, just bitterness in your life. And you got to learn to get rid of it. And you got to take care of it today. Number two. Number two, bitterness starts small, but eventually consumes all. So it might start in your heart as a small thing, but eventually consumes everything in your life. What happened in our passage today? Look at it. Look what happened with with Cain. So Cain's offering, the Lord did not look on with favor. So Cain was very angry, and look what happens. And his face was downcast. Downcast. His face started to show the bitterness in his heart. Have you ever, you ever met somebody, maybe, maybe a few years older than you, and you looked at him and you're like, that person's just not happy anymore. They're just angry. You know, just bitter. What is it? It starts to show in our face. The Lord said to him and said, uh, why are you angry? And I'm sure Cain was like, I'm not angry. And the Lord's like, why? The Lord follows up his own question with a question. Listen, you want to answer that? So why is your face like so that? It's just downcast. Because bitterness doesn't just stay here. It starts here, but it spreads and it'll go to, it goes to our face. And then look what the Lord says in verse 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you, but you, it, it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. 
So it starts in the heart, but don't just sit there and go, it's fine, it's not affecting me. It's affecting every part of you. And, and you get to this place where it actually starts affecting your look of your face. You know, I tried to come up with a little acronym. Like how did, some people that just, you could just tell they got bitterness on their face at all times. I, I wrote it down this way. I, this one was mine. I made this one up. I call it RBF. Okay, RBF. Now, 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 now just so you understand this. And it's like a resting bitter face. You know what I'm talking about? You know some people that have RBF or you know what I mean? Only at Radiant Church, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, don't want an, I don't want that face. I don't want that resting bitter face. I don't, I don't want that in my life. <laughs> That's funny right there. Someone's offended about that. You need to let that bitterness go. It's a joke, all right? And it doesn't just stay in our face. It starts to come out of our mouth. Luke chapter 6, what does it say? It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the person, you know, uh, cuts you off in traffic, and that word comes out of your mouth. And your kids are right there, and you're like, oh, sorry, kids. I don't know where that came from. I know exactly where that came from. Came right in here. And what do we do? We start saying stuff, and because there's bitterness in us, and let me just help some relationships in here. You start seeing it through a lot of your passive-aggressive comments to each other. Oh, you're leaving again? Another trip? Oh, that's cool. It's good. Oh, oh, you actually cleaned up the house today? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. This is this is neat. This is clean, I guess. <laughs> Playing golf again? No. Oh, okay. We we could have watched a movie, but okay, that's what you want to do. <laughs> and we we wonder why our relationships are not healthy. You know where that's rooted in? I know, except a lot of marriages, like they're like, oh. it's it's rooted in a lot of bitterness in our heart. Like, 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 where did that statement come from? Anytime someone in the conversation, someone in the marriage has some kind of passive-aggressive comment, stop, 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 where's that coming from? What's the root of that? Where's it really at? Because it starts small, but eventually consume all that we are. And you've got to hit it head on. Number three is bitterness must be killed or it will kill. And if you don't hit bitterness head on, which we're going to do today, and remove that stuff from your life, then I'm telling you, it will kill something in your life. It'll kill your marriage, it'll kill your joy, it'll kill your potential, it'll kill your family dynamic, and I'm telling you, I'm in an all-out attack on the enemy right now, because I see him doing it to family after family, church after church, group after group, company after company, and the way he finds himself in is he comes in through offense and through bitterness, he puts a root in that heart, and then eventually it divides it to where there is once unity, now there's disunity, there's dissension, and there's anger. Why? It all started with bitterness. So you gotta catch it head on. I thought of it this way, and I wish I had to put it in your notes because it was so eye-opening to me because I wanna compare bitterness to cancer. Because actually, think about it this way. Cancer, when it's at its earliest stages, is the hardest to spot, but it's actually the easiest to treat. Think about that. If you can spot it at the earliest stages, it's the easiest to treat. But when cancer is the easiest to spot at the later stages, isn't it the hardest to treat? Wow, come on, and that's how bitterness works in our life. So your goal is early on to spot it and go, whoa, did that just offend me? 
Is that creating bitterness? I'm going to hit it right on before it grows into something that's so huge that everybody can see everywhere I'm at. But then it's so much more work to get it out of my life. So you got to get it out. What happened with, in Genesis? What happens? He says, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go to the field. While they were there in the field, what did he do? He attacked his brother and he killed him. What is the result of it? The result of bitterness at its full extent and its full growth is that it'll kill whatever relationship you're in. So it'll kill your marriage, it'll kill your joy, it'll kill your relationship with your kids, and I've seen it happen, and we got to hit it head on. So I'm a practical preacher, and I'm going to give you some practical things of how we can live a life bitter-free. And I think this is going to be one of those messages that you're going to share with some friends and family member who are just walking in bitterness after bitterness, and I'm going to teach you how to be bitter-free in the last few minutes we have together. Paul actually hits it head on in the book of Ephesians, and he tells us how to live free from it. He says, get rid of all bitterness. Can you say the word all? All right, he's very clear how much bitterness we need out of our life. All of it. All right, so let's not leave any of it in there. He says, all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, among every form of malice. And then he tells us how. How do we deal with it? He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's write it down. We rid ourselves of bitterness by, let's outline this thing together. Here's how. By being kind to one another. Another, being kind to one another. I wrote this meaning this. We treat people the way you would want to be treated. Now, I know this is something you taught your kids growing up, but maybe it's not something we're practicing in our life today. Here's what I think happened. This is my consensus on what I believe has happened over the last two years. Since 2020, since the pandemic, since the election, since the turmoil, since all the issues, what's happened is we've become people that have prided ourselves on justice. So it's wrong they make me wear that. It's wrong that person won't take that. It is wrong that that person was elected. I'm going to get right with that person. I'm going to make it right to make sure that person should never get ahead in life. We've made everything about justice. And let me tell you that some people, it's very important that, that you know, make things right. But it's Christians were not called to be the cheerleaders of justice. We're actually called to be the cheerleaders of kindness. Now, I know this is hard for some people because we want so much to make things right. But remember what Paul said. He says, God says, I will avenge. I will repay. So instead of going, I'm going to get right with people, here's what we are going to do now. It's I'm going to be kind to people. Can we do this? Can we make kindness cool again? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to hashtag that. Bring it back. I don't know even know if we hashtag anymore. But come on, somebody, that's what you need to put on social media today. We're going to make kindness cool again in our world today. We're going to treat other people the way we would want them to treat us. And remember, church, because we, I know what you're thinking. You're going, but stuff has to get done. Remember, God says it is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance so we want to see our world repent it's not going to be a church that's pointing their fingers at how wrong they are it's a church that has their arms wide open saying let me serve you let me love you let me care for you we're here to show some kindness so how do we live free from bitterness we get kind to one another here's the second one is we're we rid ourselves from bitterness by being compassionate with one another and here's what this means all right now this is so important because you got to get this it means that we give people grace 
Okay, so I, I know I don't like to give people grace, but I love to receive it. I love to receive it. I, I mess up all the time. I actually, uh, it was an email that slipped through my email inbox, and I like, I like to try to have like a 24-hour rule. If someone emails me, I'm going to email them back in 24 hours. And, and this one, honestly, was four or five weeks delayed. And I felt terrible. And this lady wrote, and it was a really, it was a really good email, but she had some questions. And so I was so nervous about writing her back, going, oh, my gosh, this lady's left the church. She's probably angry. She's probably posted all this stuff about how terrible we are. The pastor didn't respond to her. And uh, so I wrote her, I'm, I'm so sorry. And immediately, like, within an hour, I got an email back, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, you ever get those emails, you don't even want to open it. You're like, oh, I don't know what she's going to say. And it was right away, like, no worries at all. Totally understand. People get busy. People understand. And I was so, it was so great to receive grace. I don't know. I love to receive it. We need to be a people that love to give grace to other people. Give grace. Give them the, here's what you do. With every single person in your life, give them the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what they're struggling with. But I'm going to have compassion towards them. So, so the, the person, okay, I remember the other day. I was in a merge lane, and so I, I am a Christian, so I waited in the lane. You know what I mean? Okay, now I didn't wait in the lane all the way back. I went about halfway up. Come on. I'm a little lukewarm Christian sometimes. So I get about halfway up, and I, you know, I, I, I merged myself in there. I pushed my way in there, and, and, uh, and then I get all the way to the front, and this truck comes along. I mean, they get all the way up there. They didn't, they didn't merge halfway. They went all the way to the front. And you know, I'm the car that's like the one that's keeping them from the, from the on-ramp. So I'm like, I, I mean, my, my, it's like right next to the car in front of me. I'm not letting this guy in. You know, he's, looking, he's waving, and, like, and I'm just like straight ahead. You know, I have this moment, haven't we? And I think about this message. I think about this idea. Aaron, show him grace. Show him grace. And, okay, always assume. Assume the best. You know what? He might be going to see his mother who is on hospice and it's the last conversation and he's got to hurry to get there. You go, well, that's probably not happening. Who cares? Who cares? Let them through. Let them through. Why? Because we're going to show grace to everybody. Well, it's just not right. They're going to take advantage of us. All right, we move on. We are just compassionate and kind people. And watch how it keeps bitterness out of your heart. You know why? Because now you're not trying to make everything right. Well, that person, I'm going to follow them to the hospital, make sure they're going there. <laughs> Lose your, that's crazy. All right, number three, we'll close with this one. And then what does he say? He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here's what we do. We rid ourselves from bitterness by forgiving each other. And you know what this means? This simply means that you need to learn how to let the hurt go. Let it go. And it's a conscious decision to say, you know what? They hurt me. It was real. I'm not going to be a doormat. I'm not going to be someone they can just walk all over. I'm also going to have healthy boundaries. But I'm going to live in such a way that I offer forgiveness freely to each other. And that's what I'm asking you to do as we close out this message. Whoever's hurt you, whoever's offended you, whoever's put that root of bitterness in you, I'm asking you to forgive some people today. Let me tell you how we deal with forgiveness as human beings. So you hurt me, you uh, told me something, and you told me you'd do something, you didn't do it. And so now I hear a message like this, and I'm going, that's it. I guess I will do it. I will 
from myself, I will give them forgiveness. And so you reach into the, the bank of your forgiveness that you have and you pull out, all right, I got it. I got my dollar of forgiveness. I, this is gonna cost me a lot. I, it's gonna hurt me. I, I know the right thing to do is to give it to them even though I'm gonna give them myself in this moment and I'm gonna give it to them and I'm so mad they hurt me but I'm not gonna live in that prison of unforgiveness anymore. So take it. There's your dollar. Put in the tithe if you like. And then somebody else hurts you or that same person hurts you again and you go, all right. But I, this is gonna be a big deal for me. I gotta give it up. I gotta give it up. I can't, I guess I can't hold this back anymore. I'll just, I got one more. It's, it's a lot for me to do this. You even start the statement with that kind of phrase. Like, you don't deserve this. This is a big deal for me. But I'm telling you, I have come to the reality that I need to let this go to you. And now I'm, giving you this even though you don't deserve it and then eventually you come to a place where you are bankrupt in your life to this idea of going I just don't you even say statements like this and I, I need your attention because somebody's there I don't even have anything else to give anymore to that person I'm at my wits end I can't trust anybody anymore I, I just, I've been hurt after hurt after hurt. And you can't even offer forgiveness to other people because you just are so empty. But you've missed what Paul said in the passage. Paul did not say forgive other people the amount that you can forgive. What did he say? He says, forgive each other to the measure that Christ forgave you. Now that's a game changer. Because as Christians, we are not bankrupt in our faith in this idea of going, man, I don't have anything else to give. As Christians, we've encountered, oh man. All right, this is like, right, don't tell me, it's like a legit drug deal happening here at Radio. Can we do this thing together? Let's do it right here. Let's do it right here. Right, right. This is gonna be awesome. This is gonna be awesome. So what happens when you get saved is you're totally empty and bankrupt of love, of forgiveness, but then you encounter the love of Jesus, the love that, that God had and he sent his son to the earth, the love that brought him to that cross, the love that held him there every single time that nail went in, it was that love. And what you experience when you get saved is you thought you were so empty and so broke, but what you didn't understand is there's a richness and a blessing and a favor and an abundance on your life that you didn't even know was possible. You didn't even know it was possible. So, so now, as a Christian, every time someone needs to be forgiven, they hurt me, I'm like, all right. Well, they hurt me too. All right, that's fine. Anybody over here wants to know? Right. I, I told y'all to sit in the front of the church. Y'all didn't listen. But I forgive you. You have to give out your forgiveness already. And I have, this looks like the weirdest drug deal ever. And I have no problem distributing forgiveness because I realize how great the forgiveness that God has given me. For those who are questioning the stewardship of our church, it is fake money, by the way. 
Somebody down here was like, my prayers are answered. <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> oh, how fun. I have lost the ability to stay in resentment and to not forgive because the deposit in my life has been so big of grace that I now have to give it back every time somebody hurts me. I don't know who's hurt you, who's offended you, who's rejected you, where the bitterness came from, but I understand as you understand the love and the grace of God, you can let it go, you can forgive, and you can walk free. Can I hear an amen today, church? Close your eyes across all of our campuses today. Nobody moving around. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to do a deep heart work. Because somebody's really been hurt, overlooked, overused, overtaken, overwhelmed. The Holy Spirit is asking you today, let it go. Release the bitterness against your husband. Release the bitterness against your previous employer. Release your bitterness against the Lord, against your church, against your small group. Let it go. Let it go. Holy Spirit, do a deep work right now. Every eye closed. Just have a moment of healing at all of our campuses. You're, you're here today and you go, Aaron, there's some root. It might be small, it might be huge, but there's a root of bitterness that's in my heart and I want the Lord to take it out. And if that's you today, just one hand, come on, throw it up to heaven right now, all over this place, all over this place. Most of us in this room, yes. Now take that same hand, put it right over your heart. Let me pray for you. God, we pray the prayer of David where he said, God created me a clean heart, oh God. Lord, where there is roots of bitterness and struggle and Glory, Lord, let us always be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another, just as Christ, you forgave us. Do it deep in our heart, even right now. Candace, I'm going to ask you to sing over them, because somebody needs to release even that right to get, to get it even and to get justice and say, God, even above all those situations, you reign above every situation. You're in charge, and you can heal me now. You reign above it all, you reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. Let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. Everybody close every head bowed. Holy Spirit.
Spirit's doing a deep work in everybody's life here. There's one more group that needs to respond, and it's those who do not have a relationship with God. You can't change from the outside in. You have to start from the inside, from your heart. If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, I want you to know it can be. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Our sin has separated us from that plan. But that's why Jesus came. He came so that we can be restored in relationship with God. So our hearts can be transformed. He can forgive you. But it starts with your surrender right now. You giving your life to Him. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to respond by throwing that hand up. Wave it at me and say, Aaron, today's my day. It's my day to give my life to Christ. And I believe God will meet you right there in your seat. He'll transform you from starting with your heart. And He'll change you. And He'll save you. And He'll give you a fresh start. This is your day of salvation. On the count of three, you make a bold statement right there in your seat. And say, today's my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. One, two, three. Come on, throw that hand up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. So many people. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Man, so many people in these services. Right there in your seat. I want all of us to pray this prayer out loud together. If you raise your hand, mean it with all your heart. This is a moment for you to fully surrender your life to Christ. Let's say it together. Say, dear Jesus. Oh, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Forgive my past, my present, and my future. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for dying for me. I make a decision to live for you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, can we celebrate those who just made the best decision? Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 